glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. God is a merciful God. Don't sacrifice the future on the altar of the immediate by blaming God for the consequences of sin. The eternal consequences of sin can be under the blood. And you can end up in the New Jerusalem, which is the eternal house of God. And I'll speak more about it later this week. Well, thank you, Pastor. I've been praying for you, Vicki. My wife went through the same cancer. Let me just, uh, let me speak to you, uh, church members, for just a moment. Uh, I know you all love your pastor and his wife, and I know you all have been praying for them. Kind of protect them from people who want to monopolize their time and tell them about this latest cure that somebody had for cancer. Look, they've already researched. They have prayed about it. You just pray for them. I remember my wife's been through this twice. She was stage four both times. And they gave her as little as three months to live. And we had just dozens and dozens and dozens. And then people want to monopolize your time on this. I mean, one of the remedies was, Brother Sharp, get a beehive and a pair of tweezers and catch a bee and let, him, let that bee sting your wife. One sting per day. It'll cure her of her cancer. Somebody else said, peach seeds. Have her swallow a whole peach seed every other day. Don't break it up. Let it kind of just dissolve slowly. Because I know my aunt had her cancer cured this way. Somebody else said, Brother Sharp, you're a man of the woods. You understand plants and stuff. Get some green walnuts with the hull still on them, that big hull. Soak it in vodka. <laughs> After 24 hours, strain the black tincture juice off, throw the walnut away, have your wife drink that juice. It'll cure her of her cancer. Now, I will say that after the bee stings and the peach seeds, she wanted to drink the vodka. <laughs> so, your, Miss Vicki and her husband have prayed, they've made a decision. They have the peace of God to proceed. You pray for them. Okay, that's the best thing you can do. Take the scripture, if you would. Turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. 20 till, 20 after. 20 till. Thank you for praying. I recently suffered a couple of heart attacks. One on a plane in Newark, New Jersey, on the tarmac while getting ready to depart and go to Israel. Another on the plane returning from Israel. But God intervened. If I have some time, I'll say more about that. But thank you very much. I got accomplished what I needed to get accomplished. There was much more to accomplish. I had to cut the uh, uh, time in Israel in half, but I did, did get to speak to the colonel of the Southern Command. That would be the colonel of Judah in the scripture and as well as the many men and women who are risking their lives, Israelis who are protecting their country along the Gaza border, which is a prophecy of Malachi chapter 1. And what an honor and privilege uh, it has been to show the Jewish people that we love them and that we are thankful 
to the Jewish forefathers for giving us the scriptures, the laws of morality, family structure, our civil government. Our government, our three branches of government came from the book of Isaiah. The Lord is our king. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The presidential part, the executive part, the judicial, and the legislative all come from that verse of Scripture, according to our forefathers who studied that. So I'm very thankful to the Jewish people. Pray for Josh Mandel. Many of you, how many of you live in Ohio? Almost all, a few of you live in Ohio. Uh, I've talked to him at length. I've listened to him. He's, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. He's, he's worthy of support and a vote. God is doing some great things with the Gentile ministry. I've not missed a lick, even through the heart attack in the middle of the night, coming in my hospital room, the doctors and the nurses, and I'm explaining scripture, and, and uh, I couldn't go, so God was bringing them to me. So thank the Lord for that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless the Sunday school hour. In Jesus' name, amen. All day long I'm going to be preaching on this verse. And I'm going to be teaching you the difference between your born-again spirit, your soul, and your body. How many of you have been born again? Okay, you have those three parts that make up your whole. You have a born-again spirit. What is that? You have a soul. What is that? A soul is not your spirit. Do you know the difference between the two? Sad to say most preachers cannot define the difference between the two. You also have a body. Now, for some of us, it's getting a little larger than what it used to be. I've lost 52 pounds this year. In 2021, my goal was to lose 10 pounds. That was my goal in January. When December came around, I only had 15 to go. <laughs> so January 10th, I said, I'm going to lose 75 pounds this year. I lost 52. All right, then I had the heart attacks. They won't let me do anything. I'm limited to less than 10 pounds of lifting weight. After a year, hopefully, I'll be able to lift my wife's purse. <laughs> but I've plateaued at that 52. But I will lose the other 23. Our body is what we see. Your soul is your feelings, your emotion, your personality, your sense of awareness. Your body is not eternal. It did not get born again. Did you hear what I just said? The day you got born again, your body did not get born again. Your body will continually go downhill. Now, your body got a promise of being glorified one day. And if the trumpet sounds, it, we have the promise that it's going to go up and be resurrected glorified, changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and a white robe given. We do have that promise, but your body did not get born again at that moment of salvation. Your soul did not get born again at the moment of salvation. Your soul is eternal. 
It's your conscious state of awareness. An unredeemed soul is aware of things that are going on on this earth. They're aware there's traffic out there. They're aware that there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine. They're aware certain people like them and certain people don't. They're aware of feelings and emotion. Some people love me. Some people don't love me. The soul is aware of that. Happiness, sadness, brokenness. But your soul did not get born again. An unredeemed soul, after separated from the body at the point of physical death, the unredeemed soul goes to hell. Ultimately, it will end up in a lake of fire where it has a conscious state of awareness, where it is tormented day and night. A saved or a born-again spirit, saved spirit, in conjunction with that, the soul gets a promise of being redeemed, and the soul will experience eternal joy for those who've been born again. The soul gets the promise of going to heaven. If the trumpet sounded now, you would only spend seven years in heaven. You're not going to live in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever. I wish Independent Baptists would quit saying that. If the trumpet sounded right now, you would only spend seven years in heaven. Then you're going to come back to this earth and live for a thousand years with Jesus while he's ruling and reigning. And after that, you're going to live for all eternity in the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is our eternal home. It's a city that descends out of heaven. The earthly Jerusalem is a picture of the heavenly one. This is what replacement theology does. It replaces the new Jerusalem with heaven. And those are two, those are two different places. So our soul gets these wonderful promises when we get born again. But the soul still has emotions. It can still make wrong decisions. Even though you're saved, your body can still sin. Even though you're saved, your soul can still sin. But your born-again spirit, as I will prove before the day is over, it cannot sin. Now, I did not say sinless perfection. I said your born-again spirit cannot sin because it's born of God. So you have these three parts to you. The body seldom makes a correct scriptural decision. The soul, it guesses. How many times have we heard, well, pastor, this is just the way I feel about it. That's somebody's soul talking. That's not their spirit. That's their soul. Now, if you will get this truth and be able to separate them, this ought to be 101 after somebody gets born again. This will help you. Because your born-again spirit is actually trying to protect your soul from devastation, from being lied to, and deceived. How oft have I talked with young people who are in love? Sometimes you may as well talk to the sidewalk. Because everything I'm hearing is their soul. But I'm so in love with this person. I think about this person all the time. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's bring some scripture in here. But no, I just love them. And then later on, after devastation with the relationship, they can't stand the individual. 
what happened? Their soul made a decision. Somebody was trying to talk to their spirit, but their soul wasn't allowing. Had they listened, their born-again spirit, Holy Spirit using the words of God, would have protected their soul from a very devastating crush later on. So let's look at this verse very carefully here again. Everybody with me this morning? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace. How many of you want peace? Most frequent sermon Jesus preached to the disciples? Peace. Fear not. Peace. Now your soul wants peace. The problem is it'll shortcut to get that. It'll sacrifice later on for temporal peace here. Out of sight, out of mind. Your spirit will never be deceived. Cannot. Never. Ever. Ever. Cannot sin. Cannot make a mistake. Your soul, your body, they can still sin. Not your born-again spirit. I will prove this. So God does want you to have a peace that passes all understanding while you're here on this earth. Even though circumstances may not be right, at least you know you're in the perfect will of God and right where God wants you to be making the correct decision. The very God of peace sanctify, sanctify, to set apart, set aside, as God designed all three parts of you to be. Sanctify you. What's the word after sanctify you? Is it H-O-L-Y? No. It's W-H-O-L-L-Y, as in something complete. God, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are they the one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yes, they are. Do the three become whole as one? Or are they whole as one? Yes, they are. Even as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Though each has attributes that are attributed to them in the Scripture, they are one. Your body has certain attributes, your soul has certain attributes, your born-again spirit has certain attributes. And the three make up you, but they are different. But God wants all parts of you, these three parts, to be sanctified as one, holy, let's continue reading, and I pray God your, what's the next word after your? Whole, W-H-O-L-E, Spirit and soul and body. Are there any commas in that phrase, spirit and soul and body? Would it be grammatically incorrect to put commas there? It would not. Why are there no commas? Is there a mistake in my King James? No. We have it as God intended it. They are so close, there's no comma, and yet they are separate. They are holy as one, yet you need to be able to define each of them. Your whole soul, or your whole spirit, in this order, and soul, and body, who's in the lead there? Of the three, who's in the lead? Which part of you? Spirit. So my question is, which part of you is leading? Is your body leading? Is your soul leading? Is your spirit leading? Which part of you should be in the lead? 
which two parts of you should follow the other. Now, write down the number six. Write this down. Write down the number six, six, six. Write that number down. Now, put a decimal point in front of the first six. That's how much of you is soul and body. That's the natural part of you. The Antichrist number is the number of a man, something natural. Listen to this phrase carefully. Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. We are not. We are made in the image and likeness of Adam. Slightly different, but that's the way it's phrased in Scripture. We inherited something from Adam called a sin nature. So, 666% of us is body and soul. The other part of us is born of God, except a man be born of the Spirit. That's the supernatural part, when the Holy Ghost came inside of you and quickened your dead spirit at the moment of salvation. That's the part that should be in the lead. Now, pardon the pun, but you need to be soul trained. Your soul has to submit to your spirit. Your body has to submit to your spirit. Sometimes the soul and the body will gang up on the spirit. But your spirit is so close to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, because he's the one who came inside and quickened you. Begotten again, as the scripture says. In another place, born again. That's the part of you that is born of God. Supernatural. Your born again spirit is led by the Holy Spirit, who only, look at me, only uses words in this book. These words are inspired. God breathed. Synonyms are not inspired. Your soul can be deceived through synonyms. Something similar, subtle, as Satan deceived Eve. Your body can be deceived a whole bunch of ways. Your born-again spirit can never, listen to me, never, ever be deceived. Ever. So when a Christian sins, it's not your born-again spirit. That other two-thirds, they're in the lead. Your born-again spirit operates as does the Holy Spirit with a still small voice. He doesn't argue. He's not loud. He's not, you better not, you better not. It's not that way. If you allow, if you let, L-E-T, that's the scripture word. If you let the Holy Spirit use these words, your born-again spirit can make the correct decision. If you disallow the Holy Spirit, he doesn't argue with you.
And that's what your born-again spirit will do. But if you can train your soul and your body to be sensitive to your born-again spirit, who's being led by the Holy Spirit, who only uses these words. And by the way, if we have not read these words, the Holy Spirit can't bring them to remembrance. I didn't say you had to memorize every word in that scripture. But if you've read it, he can bring it to remembrance. And if you're having to make a decision and you can't get clarity, you have to go to this book and read until you do. Or you can go to your pastor, or you can go to your husband. You can go to somebody who knows the book, who may have the answers according to the Scripture. This is solemn this morning, okay? I just want to know, are you still listening to me? All right. Now, go if you would to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. I may end up preaching on this the whole week. I taught this at a pastor's church, and he's been 52 weeks on it now. After I left, his church is just growing. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Through desire, how many of you desire to be like Jesus? How many of you want, want to be more holy? Through desire, you got to want it. A man having separated himself. Do you see the word, is the word from after the word himself in that verse of scripture? There is no word from there. Now over my course of 47 years in the ministry of preaching, I've heard multiple sermons on a personal separation where that verse was chosen as a text for the sermon. And then the sermon proceeded with separate yourself from uh, the world and how you dress and, and where you go and, and uh, how you act and from certain people and come out from among them, be a separate, that sort of thing. But they use this verse as the text verse. Now, I'm, I'm all for separating ourselves from the world. But this verse is not talking about that at all. So that tells me when somebody chose this as a text verse, they already had their sermon written and they thought this verse fit it. But this verse is not talking about being separated from the world and how you eat, drink, where you go, entertainment, how you dress, who you hang around with. It's not, it, it has nothing to do with that. Let's look at this verse again. Through desire, a man having separated himself... Is it separation from the world, or is it separating oneself? Ah, it's separating the individual. Not from, but this whole, as spirit, soul, and body. You have to want to know this. This is wisdom. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. If you will get these simple truths. It will help you so much as a believer. It will help you as a husband. It'll immensely help you as a wife and mother, probably more so than anyone. It will help you as a child. A saved person must desire to understand the function of one's spirit, soul, and body by 
separating, even though they're part of a whole, separating each from the other. Your spirit will lead you into correct decision-making and wisdom. Your body seldom gets it right. Your soul occasionally guesses, and it might get it right. Most of the time it does not. But your spirit will never get it wrong. The body, we see it. It's getting larger. I've said quite often, if I could get back to the weight I was the day I got married, I could honestly sing the old country song, I'm not half the man I used to be. The soul, our conscious state of awareness, your feeling of emotion, inclusive of happiness, sadness, comfort, torment. That's all felt in the soul. Security, fear, joy, brokenness, unity, division, love, hate. Those are all feelings of the soul. Assurance. Instability. Protection. I feel vulnerable. That's all. Soothing. Abrasive. The soul seeks instant gratification. Entertainment. Removal of any threats. Out of sight, out of mind. The soul wants peace, and it will shortcut quite often to get there. The soul will live in the past sometimes because it's fearful of an unknown future. The soul can be beguiled by propaganda, deceit, false information, supplanting an atmosphere of threats, politics, people. It'll kick the can of interpretation of God's word down the road if the soul can be given temporal soothing application. The soul will often settle for this something that is temporary about itself and toward other people. Why do you go to church? Well, my friends are there. I'm glad you have friends. But is that why you come to church? Well, my other friends, they took advantage of me. I got people I can trust at church. Okay, I'm glad you do. But is that why you come? Well, I come to see the little kids. When they get up here and they sing in the cantatas, puts a smile. I feel happy. I do too. Nothing wrong with the soul feeling that. But is that why you come? You see, your spirit ought to be leading you to the house of God. Why? To learn this book. So that your born-again spirit can protect your soul. Do you not think the devil could use a cantata to lead things astray? But our spirit must be led by this so it can protect our soul, our emotions. The soul communicates to other people your personality, your wit, your humor, all of that makes up your soul, your demeanor. Sometimes the soul will try to be religiously deceptive in an attempt to bring about acceptance by God because they don't want conviction. Both body and soul send messages to others and messages to God, as Adam and Eve's soul and body did after they sinned. Um, I want to ask a question here. I've asked this in... Uh, probably 20 independent Baptist churches. So far, the vote has been 100%. Uh, it may change. I, I only want the ladies to vote, by the way. Don't, don't want men to vote. You say you're prejudiced. You're right. I only want ladies to vote. End of discussion. <laughs> I only want ladies to vote. 
because this question is going to involve them. I'm not talking about the exception. I'm talking about the rule. There are exceptions, but the rule. When it comes to a display of the soul, emotion, displaying emotion, only ladies voting. Ladies, which gender displays more emotion? Male gender or female gender? How many of you ladies think men, I'm talking about the rule, not the exception, men display more emotion than women? Would you raise your hand? Okay, how many of you ladies think women display more emotion than men? Would you raise your hand? Okay, thank you. It's still 100%. I tell young married men, men only got about three looks on their faces. They're happy, they're mad, or they're hungry. That, that's just about the extent of how a man can communicate with his soul. It's just not much more than that. Now, ladies, look at me. God made no mistakes when he made you a woman. He didn't make a mistake. There's nothing derogatory about displaying more emotion. Nothing derogatory about that at all. Nothing inferior about that at all. I can tell you why. It's not really a part of this series. But when you get this, it will certainly help you divide that part from your born-again spirit. Ladies can display a lot of emotion and a communication, much more than men by not saying anything. They can display with emotion. They can communicate. Why is that, Brother Sharp? They deal with children more than men do. That's just one reason. You understand a child has not been born again? You understand that the lady is talking to the the child's soul. And the child is safe of something, God forbid, that their life would cease. God would take them up to heaven. Amen. They'll be in the new Jerusalem. But there comes a point in time, an age of accountability. We call it that. But when a child knows the difference between right and wrong, 22, correct? The difference between right and wrong and at that and consequences, and at that time, the child must be born again. But through the formative years, women are dealing with children's souls. So you're communicating to a soul. The child does not understand the Word of God. They're not going to understand a verse of Scripture that's connected to don't put your hand on top of the stove or don't run out on the street. They can't grasp that. They don't have a born-again spirit. But you can certainly pick them up and hug them and say, don't you love mama? You're talking soul to soul. Mama loves you and mama doesn't want you hurt. Don't you love mama? So there's a number of ways she communicates like that, soul to soul. Let me take it a step further. When we go soul winning, that person doesn't have a born-again spirit. You're talking to their soul. 
Uh, I'm not saying go hug them. But I'm saying some you save with compassion. And some you pull out of the fire. And you have to read that person's soul. And once you learn to separate and read your own, it'll be much more easy to read others. You won't have to have a whole lot of information. You'll get it. And you can get this. Because this book's of no private interpretation. If you raise your hand and you are born again, you can get this. So you're trying to pull this person's soul through reasoning of eternal consequences to the line of salvation. Their soul has to make the decision to step over. As soon as it steps over that line, bang, their spirit is born again at that very moment. Now we can teach them a whole bunch of things. Before we send them out trying to soul win others, we need to teach them. They can come here, and I'm not saying don't teach them that, but they need to be taught and grounded and rooted in sound doctrine so they don't become a castaway. You're born again spirit. Taught by the Godhead through the Holy Spirit who only uses words of God. Our spirit is taught by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you. He comes in, He stays. He's not always on you or on people. I didn't get time to teach this the last time I was here when I talk about being endued. I use Brother Winkler with uniform, without uniform, showing the difference. Let's just pick a name, John Smith. Are any John Smiths in here? All right, let's say John Smith is saved. Born again, member of this church. Could John Smith go out into a bar tonight after church? Yes or no? Could he do it? Could he go in and, get, could he go in and drink? Yeah. Could he get drunk? Could he start dancing? Is the Holy Ghost in him? Yes. Is the Holy Ghost on him? No. Your born-again spirit, Holy Ghost lives inside you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If he's not listened to, and your soul and body are allowed to trump his conviction, then your soul and body can go into the same leap-in-limp-out joint as John Smith. Now, devastation is in your future for your soul and your body. It's not going to be an easy road for you. But your born-again spirit's trying to protect you from that devastation. It has nothing to do with your eternal security. It has to do with your soul and your body down here on this earth your born-again spirit's trying to protect them both. I'm not talking about the spirit of man as in his personality that's mentioned in the Scripture, energy, your charisma, pathos, work ethic, being impetuous or methodical. I'm not talking about the spirit of man that makes him rise early or the spirit of somebody else makes him stay up late. How many of you know people who wake up in the morning who are bright and cheery? 
How many of you know people who wake up in the morning that are grumpy? Now, the people who wake up early in the morning bright and cheery, they're usually grumpy later at night. The people who wake up in the morning grumpy, they're usually bright and cheery at night. So I'm not talking about that type of spirit. I'm talking about your born-again spirit. Go to Psalm 119, verse 50. Psalm chapter 119, verse number 50. This is my comfort. This is my present tense. This is my comfort in my affliction. I didn't say you weren't going to have affliction. As sparks fly upward from a fire, man is born into sorrow. Affliction still comes, but your comfort doesn't need to depart when affliction comes. And if you're led by your born-again spirit, you will have comfort midst affliction. Look at the verse. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath, what's that? Quickened me. Underline it. Quickened. Brought alive. How many of you men have ever set a post in concrete? How many of you men have ever done that? How many of you men have ever repaired a patch of concrete, sidewalk, something like that? All right, you went to Home Depot, and you bought a yellow bag of concrete. What was the name on that yellow bag? Quick Crete. What was inside that yellow bag? Everything that God made Adam out of. The earth, the dust, clay, potash, lime, sand, gravel, rock. It was dormant until one ingredient is added. Water. The washing of the water of thy word. God's word. When the water is added, something happens immediately. A process. A quickening process. May I suggest that you have your forms framed before you add the water. And not like the woman who ordered six yards of concrete and told the driver, just dump it in the front yard. My husband will be back next week. <laughs> that process, very quickly, is going to take shape to the form around it. You throw that bag outside and let it rain on it, guess what? You're going to have one solid chunk of concrete in the form of that bag. You frame it with two-by-fours or whatever, it's going to take the form. May I, may I tell you emphatically that God wants you to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ? And when the Holy Ghost came in and quickened you, the form has already been framed. He wants... Every part of you, your spirit, your soul, and your body to be the image of the Lord Jesus Christ while here on this earth. Quickening. Look in Psalm 119, verse 93. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast 
quickened me. God's word, Jesus is the word. God's word quickening, God's word conforming us, God's word making us like the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get this with your soul. You cannot get there by your body alone. Your born-again spirit has to be in the lead as it follows the Holy Ghost and the words of God. The reaction, the spirit is what's born again. I will show you later on. It, your spirit, your born-again spirit, it can understand this book. It can. It can get it. Your soul's going to struggle. Your body, hardly ever. Your soul will crave soothing peace, a release of emotion. Quite often the soul rewinds time. Boy, remember how you felt when you were a teenager? That's soul. Your body, hey, White Castles, 10 pack, $6.95. Remember when you could eat 10 when you were, you could probably still do it. You're hungry. And then your body will get your soul to join. Yeah, you were a teenager sitting on the hood of the car out in the White Castle parking lot. You were listening to this song. The, the. And then all of a sudden, a release of endorphins. And listen to me, you feel youthful. Your spirit will try to interject. And I'm not saying it's wrong to eat White Castle hamburgers. It's probably not a good idea to eat ten of them. But that body and soul, when they gang up together, ooh, they're pretty powerful. I watched. Your, your, your soul rewinds time. It replays over and over again an engraved record of when you thought you were happy. This releases endorphins in your brain. The soul seeks peace. It wants all conflict to end and end right now. My wife said, honey, honey, you got to come watch this. It was December of last year. Watch what? It's on the History Channel. It's, it's, it's called The Bible. And uh, boy, this actor does a good job portraying Jesus. I don't want to watch that. I mean, you can watch TV and get emotional. I get emotional every time I watch Old Yeller. I, man, Travis was torn there at the end. Shoot his dog, have rabies. I cry a tear. All right, I'll watch it with you. So it was the part where Judas had betrayed Jesus. 30 pieces of silver. They're coming out of the lion's gate, place I've been to 50 times. Jesus praying, sweat as it were, great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, place I've been to 50 times. You can see the lion's gates about 200 yards away from the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm rewinding this in my mind according to the Scriptures. They're coming. Judas comes and kisses him on the cheek. Boy, I'm, 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 getting, I'm following my wife's lead and I'm getting emotional. Peter shows up and draws that sword. I'm going, yeah. Whew. 
Old Malchus ducks, clips his ear. That actor reaches down and, like Jesus and puts that ear and it's healed. And I'm thinking, man, Malchus can't press charges. There's no evidence. <laughs> He's going to have to admit that Jesus healed him. <laughs> and then that actor said, here's the guards. Here's Peter. And the actor said, Peter, again thy sword unto his sheep. That's what the scripture says. The actor is still looking at Peter and the actor says, for they that take up the sword shall perish by the sword. My spirit caught it immediately. It's not what Jesus said. He put an extra word in there. And he wasn't talking to Peter when he said that. The liberal crowd would take that actor's words and disarm everybody. And the soul would buy it, hook, line, and sinker. The word up is not there. Let me tell you how it went. Jesus said, Peter, put up again thy sword unto its sheath. That's the right to keep him bare. Just a couple hours earlier, they were in the upper room, and Jesus said, if you have to, sell your garment and buy a sword. Peter, put up again thy sword. It belonged to Peter, nobody else. Unto its sheath on his side. Narrative changes from singular. Peter, put up again thy sword unto its sheath. Changes to plural. They that take the sword shall perish by the sword. That second sentence, he's talking plural to them. Jesus is the sword. He's the sword of the Spirit. That's Armageddon, sharper than any two-edged sword. He's the Word of God. They are taking him. They don't recognize him as the Savior. That type of attitude, those type of people, they're going to get what's coming to them one day. They'll perish by the sword. You all understand the difference there? You see how one little word, up? Remember, the Holy Ghost only uses words in the Scripture. He does not use similar words. He uses these words. They're inspired. Your soul would buy what the actor said. Hook, line, and sinker. It's emotional. Your spirit will catch it as deceit. Deceit is so close to truth that people who have been deceived didn't know what was happening until it was too late. This is how the devil got you. All right, my time is up. Father, bless the Sunday school hour. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.